At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn? And when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm going to choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Episode number 50. Wow, can you believe it? We made it. I gotta say, I'm so thrilled to have been on this journey and I'm grateful. I truly am grateful for the opportunity that I've had to meet so many incredible people, ask them about the insights from their life and dissect what's helped make them who they are. It's become a part of their DNA and it's really an honor to have shared their journey with you. And in honor of that, we have a special show lined up. This is a best of compilation show where we share some of the best insights that have been shared for the first year. And I just got to say again, I'm grateful for everyone that I've got a chance to meet. And I'm especially grateful for you, the listener, because you take time out of your day and it's your most precious resource. It's the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. And I'm just, I'm humbled and I'm honored and I'm grateful that you take the time to listen to this show. And I hope it provides value. And if it does, please let me know. Let me know. Send me a note. It does help when I know it's connecting and it's resonating. So this is just the beginning. I have a lot planned, a lot in store for the upcoming months, and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. But for now, let's jump into the highlights from the first 50 episodes of Inside Out with this special 50th episode. There was a great saying at Amazon where they said, in God we trust, everything else bring me data. (laughs) <laughs> so that was a big one and that that changed my dna that's good i became a data freak and you know amazon is notorious for being focused on the details if you collect the right data you can find the details and that's what amazon does better than any other company is they're willing to collect the data and they're willing to dive really deep into the data so now I do that in my personal life. I bring that to the companies that I've joined after Amazon. And I think data is huge, right? But most of the leaders at Amazon were exceptional at being able to instrument themselves to measure the right data points, analyze the data, and then activate on the data. And I thought the next thing was the love that we have in our hearts. I believe love is heaven yep. on earth. 
That's our heaven on earth is the love that we share. And so imagine that scenario where you are just, it's so hurtful and you have someone who doesn't have to say a word, but they just look over at you and smile with, I'll get emotional because people have done this for me. People have done this for me. When I met, my husband has done this. When I feel all is lost and I've just about lost hope on something and I look over and he just, he just gives me that look of love and that support and says, honey, you can do this. Struggle is good. You're struggling to get better. This is good. We're going to get through this. We can get through anything. We, if we have our lives, we can rebuild on anything and we can rebuild better. Oh, by the way, when change happens, that's the absolute time to start dreaming big and saying, how do I want to feel? What's the ideal life for me now? How can I do it and be productive? Not where's my next handout? I need a handout. I need, some people believe that they need help from everybody all the time. They have to be able to stand on their own to truly, really get the key to the treasure chest. Someday Island is this place far off where, yeah, I'll take my kids there someday. Yeah, I'm going to write that book someday. Yeah, I'm going to lose weight someday. We put these things over on Someday Island and that's where they stay forever. There's no boat that takes you over to Someday Island and all of a sudden picks up all the stuff that you left over there. We just keep putting it off. And so I used to be a Someday Island kind of person. And now I believe in the power of now. If it's an idea, if it's a thought, if it's a dream, if it's a vision, if it falls in line with your core values and it's something that you really want, then the time is now. The time is right. If you can see it, and there's really a lot of depth to what I'm I'm about to say, if you can see it, then the time is right. How I was able to continue to come back and continue to want to prove people wrong was because it was my purpose. It was my intention. I woke up every day. I stared in the mirror and I said, you will be a starting NFL fullback. You will be a starting NFL fullback. I can be an NFL starting fullback. And I really set the precedent of what I wanted and what I want most. And I'm a big believer in I don't lose until I quit. And so I knew if I continued, if I got another opportunity, I had learned from the locker rooms I had left. I had stolen stuff from them that I was going to go and use. And it was on this trajectory that I realized very quickly there were certain things in my control. and There were certain things not in my control. I have to stop looking at what is out there and what is within my control? How can I control the controllables? And it brought me to three things. A-P-E. So I say control your ape. A is your attitude. What is your morning mantra? What are the seeds you are planting in your head each and every day, looking in a mirror or just saying it to yourself that is going to start your mindset? P is preparation. How am I preparing for what I'm going to do? How is what I'm doing now going to prepare me for the future? And the third one is E for effort. Something that takes absolutely zero talent, zero skill, is to show up and give everything. And that effort really came to fruition when I accepted, like, hey, I'm on a battlefield. I'm either going to walk off uh, with my shield or on it type of mindset. And that's the mentality you got to have at that level. So my coach took me aside heading into my 10th grade year and said, Steve, you know, I got to tell you, you're good enough to play in the varsity, but I'm super concerned because of your stature, you're going to get hurt. 
And I just don't want to be responsible for that. And I said, wow, if that's the only thing preventing me from suiting up on varsity, I said, I got good news. Worry about the other guys. We're going to be in great shape, man. And he looked at me and almost teared up. And he goes, I just, I know this is going to be a good decision. And the captain of the hockey team happened to be a senior that year, goalie. And the first few games, they didn't play me. But the senior whose position I eventually took limped off the ice, took a puck, I think, in the shin or something. So they put me out. And after that shift, the goalie skated over to the bench and said, whatever you do, don't ever take this dude off the ice ever. The level of intensity when he's on the ice goes up exponentially. There's my vote. Get rid of the senior, put the sophomore in. From that day forward, you know, that builds your confidence, Bill, when you have somebody that believes in you like that. And I learned so many valuable lessons at that point in my life about how easy it is to give somebody just a little encouragement. And with that little encouragement in the right hands, they can turn that into a monumental step forward. Number one, at any moment, anything can change right? You can go from having the worst day to the best day or put some perspective on that. And then the next thing is that relatively small amounts of effort at the right time can absolutely change the trajectory of your life or anybody else around you. And I also think about that kid quite a bit, even in today's life, especially when I see acts of service going on Mm -hmm. and it's emotional. I wonder what he's up to now, right? I hope he's living up to his potential. Right. Just like my parents hoped that I was living up to my potential. And it just makes me, when I reflect on that, I want to do right for myself. I want to do right for others. And I want to continue to work hard so that I am in the right place at the right time to make the most impact for others. This comes from sales leadership, you know, the people who run sales organizations being focused on results. And since everyone's kind of taking the same approach and doing the same process, the results are all similar will celebrate that so-and-so had X close rate or did X number of deals. If you were to take that all away, right? Just get rid of it all. Get rid of all the results. How many sales did we make? And instead we focused on how many leads entered our system that didn't get followed up on, that didn't have the right process followed, et cetera. It becomes like, you know, if you've read Moneyball and you look at, you know, you know, the, the whole, the whole idea of getting on base, right? When we, when we look at baseball, we stopped focusing on batting average and started looking at more important measures of a player's effectiveness. So when I look at a salesperson's effectiveness, one of the last things I'm looking at is how many deals they made. That's, that's the result. How many leads are in your sales funnel that don't have a follow-up planned? If that number is big, you're not doing a good job. And no matter how many deals you sold, you could be selling a lot more. And the resources that are going to supporting that salesperson are likely wasted. In terms of leading, you know, when you get to the point where you're leading a, a larger organization, and this is an area where I've seen others really struggle with, is you've got to be okay elevating other people. You have to be willing to replicate yourself and not do everything yourself. And you have to be comfortable with watching and helping others grow in their professional careers and not let that fear or insecurity step in when others start to be really great at their jobs. Because what happens is if you prove that you can elevate others, you naturally start to grow in your career as well. And I've seen others, you know, kind of fall down the path of, you know, if I'm, if I'm helping these people grow, then what am I going to be needed here for? Right. And, and I, I could, the one recommendation I have is 
be confident in what you have and what you do and be proud to pass that on to others. What am I trying to accomplish and how can it serve the community beyond the tangible product and service that it's offering? And so one of the reasons that I believe in a values-based relationship organization as the underlying essence of a company is that every decision we make is guided by what we value most and what we believe. And in today's overly commoditized market, our values are what differentiate us. It's what helps us stand out in sort of that sea of sameness. Our values will define that purpose. Our values are defining that mission and that vision. And are we going to roll those out consciously or are we going to let them unconsciously become some identity that we do not actually have any intention and creation over? I choose to make them intentional and I choose to create them. Shared values help engage the employees and the customers. They act as a compass, right? They act as a compass to keep us on course. Most importantly, though, and why I believe a values-based relationship organization is the key to success, is that values are the gateway to trust. And trust is the most valuable asset we have in any meaningful relationship. Your own mind, my my mind was limiting me from what I was capable, which I proved to be, which I was capable of doing. I think it's the one thing that I'm still fighting to this day. I think we all fight is fear, right? The fear of failure. Is that too much? Am I overreaching? What will people think about me? You know, I've had a really unique experience of being at almost every job that I am. I get to a level where there's no one that looks like me anymore, right? I'm the only African-American male in the room. I was the only African-American regional manager when I was a regional manager at Enterprise. As I looked up, there were maybe two group car sale managers across the country that were African-American. So as I kind of looked, and in and in Southern California, where I was working, there was no African-Americans that were in my tree that were higher than me. And then I went to Solar City and the same thing happened. I was the only African-American director. And so sometimes that idea that am I overreaching right? Because there's no one around here that looks like me. Like, have I reached my ceiling, right? And it's something that I try to mentor to a lot of people who reached out like, hey, dude, like you're the only person that looks like you. Can you mentor me? Don't limit yourself, right? Was always, but I was limiting myself based on my experience or what I saw. And that experience shaped me to understand that I was never going to compromise my value ever again. I think a generational thinker and one of the things he talks a lot about is first principle thinking and that concept of first principle thinking is essentially taking something that's really complex and boiling it down to its individual parts. There's an interview he did where he was talking about SpaceX when they were trying to start the company and trying to purchase the materials to build rockets and either no one would sell them these rockets or they were just outlandishly and prohibitively expensive. And the example he gave for first principle thinking was they stripped a rocket down to what are the raw ingredients? What are the raw pieces of that, the materials? And then they did the math on the cost of that and then the cost of the equipment. And then they decided, hey, we're just going to make them ourselves. And that's a, a pretty basic example. But I remember when I started at Tesla, hearing that example 
And it was like when you have somebody around you who's describing something and you're like, I've always believed that, but I've never had the words. It felt like that. I felt like I've always tried to think that way, but I didn't know there was a name for it. And so I think that concept of first principle thinking has helped me figure out how to learn from people like Elon. And then also just how to add more structure and order, because I do think that a natural tendency of mine is to get distracted. You know, I had been for 17 years, I had been in jobs that I wasn't really qualified for. I wasn't prepared for it. And then I got to a point where I was what um, I have a friend who said, man, like you're legit. And, and I was legit. Like I actually knew what I was doing and it was this awful feeling. And you know, like, I like the illegitimate feeling of really reaching and striving to figure something out. And, and so I left in search of something new. And, and it was this observation or this insight that I had as I was doing that, leaving an, um, a company I had worked at for 17 years, a job I had been doing in one form or another for a dozen years. I mean, it was always a different job, but you know, it was kind of like the same fundamental challenge. And as I left, I thought, gee, I wonder how what I know is going to get in the way of what I don't know and need mm. to learn. Like, wow, I wonder if all this experience that seems impressive to other people is actually a great big millstone about my neck. Like, how is this going to blind me? To things, where am I going to think I know what I am doing, but I really don't know what I'm doing? And that was the insight that it actually went from that insight. That is the number one topic of conversation that people should have with themselves. Because if you're not confident in life, forget work. I'm just saying in life for yourself, you're not going to be the best version of who you want to be if you're not confident. Self-doubt, in my opinion, is like the cancer to someone's growth, success, and capability. And it all stems from lacking the confidence in who we are, from lacking the ability to be comfortable in our skin, from lacking the ability to accept who we are. Forget others. I think the first thing we can do as charity begins at home is accept who you are as an individual be okay with your weaknesses but then double down on your strengths unleash the things that you're good at and let that shine because once that happens people are going to forgive the things that you're not good at and so confidence in my mind is everything i've come to realize that the greatest insight of my life is that my life is mine. And I think, I know that sounds almost cliche in a way, but I spent the better part of my 47 years before my divorce, just desperately trying to make everyone around me happy mm. and failing at it miserably. I couldn't make my father happy. I couldn't make my brother happy. I couldn't make my wife happy. I couldn't make my mother happy. I couldn't make my sister happy. I couldn't make my girlfriends happy. I couldn't make myself. And I was trying to see in them a reflection of my success as a human being. So that's one side of it. The second side is what I never realized, and this is the insight that's starting to hit me now, is that I truly believe that the reason I've had so many experiences, and you're right, I've had a lot of fascinating ones, is because I have taken so many risks, sometimes at my own peril, but it always ends up being a great story. And I, there's something about me that needs that.
And I, I used to think I was cursed and then I thought I was blessed and then I thought I was lucky and then I thought I was confused. It's just, I am a stone that skips along the top of the water. I will never sink into it. You're going to live a linear, ordinary, rational life that, you know, only meets your expectations of what it is. <laughs> You're going to get exactly what you expect out of life. And it's going to be linear. And then there's a different kind of human being that's arising on planet Earth right now, which is truly uh, humans that are having spiritual awakenings and recognizing that, wow, I know one, one infinitieth of what's going on. And there is and that's so, being that's being generous, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like for all of us, not just for you, right? Yeah, I yeah, know. I mean, it's it's generous. Like we know nothing. The world is so much more mysterious and magical and beyond our ability to even fathom. You know, and it's like when you embrace that and you open up to that and you say, okay, you know, what if? There's a mystical power of the universe. It's acting on my behalf. I open up to it and I start asking it questions. And I start developing a relationship with it. I start cultivating a relationship with it. You're going to find that the timing on things isn't so random. Like there's there's synchronicity. There's, there's coincidences. There's a flow that's happening in our lives. that It's really present and it really works. And it's, it's what's behind a lot of the magic in people's lives. Who are your greatest mentors and what did you learn from them? My parents. I really learned that people are the most important thing. Not money, not products, not possessions, not status. It's people. And both of them had that. And that was why their store was successful. Relationships. When I, I'll post something on Facebook, maybe about my parents' store or something like that, I happen to have a lot of Facebook friends and a lot of them are from Pasadena where I grew up. And they always, I always get a barrage of responses of how great the store was and how great my parents were. I'm a lucky guy to have had a good life and had parents that loved me. I don't have this, you know, sad, oh, my childhood was, oh, my childhood was good. Most people, as you said, they have that wall up. And whether it's, you know, door to door or in home or, or in, a, in a business environment where they're coming to you, they're all coming in pretty much with a, um, an anti, I'm not going to be sold philosophy. And so my approach to that is to address it and just to start asking great questions, sincere questions, lighting up when I find something that they light up about and trying to connect on that. It, it isn't so much what we have in common as my cowboy philosopher father used to say, find out what melts their butter. And if you can find out what melts their butter and get them talking about it and then be truly interested in that, even if it's not something you're interested in, but be interested in the fact that they're interested in it. Hmm. That I think is the key. And when they see that, they see that you genuinely are interested in their interest, magic starts happening. If you think of us humans as hardware, like, like a computer. We are the hardware. And on this hardware, you have software that's running, which are the programs that we've been fed culturally, um, uh, through school, through religion, um, through society, whatever. Just, you don't even realize that you're almost running a number of programs on autopilot. What appear to be the worst thing in my life 
has actually turned out to be uh, an, a tremendous awakening. It's exposed me to worlds um, that I never even knew existed or much less paid attention to, such as personal growth, personal development, massive awakening about the programs that, I've, that I was running and almost running on autopilot. So then when you can start looking at yourself and say, well, this hardware I can't change. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> You're stuck with it. <laughs> I, I, this is my hardware, right? <laughs> but I can change the programs. Yeah. Right? I can download new programs. I can delete old programs. I can change existing programs. I can improve them. You never have enough time. Everybody needs more time. It's a commodity that we all have in equal amounts, but we all don't have enough of. And so we know we have limited amount of time. That's a fact. Let's learn how to manage that time and rather how to manage ourselves around that time. Because working really, really hard without moving the needle is extremely unsatisfying. And so the old adage of how do you work smart and not just hard, for me, that's kind of the root of what time management is. I, you know, I didn't have a problem working hard. I, I'm happy to put in the hours. You see people grinding and working, but really not getting any traction, that's, that's really, really frustrating. And so you, you don't want to mistake activity for achievement. And when you manage time and when you start doing things like prioritizing and scheduling and having a to-do list and, and putting your planning in writing, you plan on purpose and on paper, you quickly start seeing all the areas that you're very active in, you're very busy with, but you're not really achieving anything. Very, very simple entry-level solar system with a small light, a small battery, and a panel on the roof that could be removed and uh, stored power for charging cell phones. And in case of an emergency, a school basically would turn into an emergency response center where people could use the phone, have light, uh, have shelter, and then respond. A lot of these places would lose power. And furthermore, they would also be subjected to natural disasters in Nepal and Haiti and Puerto Rico and uh, places that had hurricanes and earthquakes. And you know, that was their lifeline in many cases. And, and Haiti is probably the, the biggest example that we have it ongoing in Nepal as well. It's two of the places where Give Power continues to do a lot of work. And uh, the need is extraordinary. That's it's endless. There will always be need. What makes great customer experience? You know, Michael talks about this in, in uh, some of his speeches he gives where he believes, and I, I think this really rings true for me, that you know brands, great brands are like pointless paintings where it's all about these little details. And you could have a detail or two that's, you know, smidge and is, is wrong. And, you know, in, in the grand scheme of the painting, it's not going to ruin, you know, the overall painting, but it's all of those little details that make up, you know, this grand masterpiece that is a brand. Um, so the importance of details is critically necessary when you're talking about something like customer experience and a brand that's going to really resonate with people. And if you have the right attention to those details, uh, everything else kind of follows. That's something I really you know, learned in spades from, from Michael. I want to talk about gossip for a moment, where I talk about it in the book, is gossip is the cancer in every organization. We all do it all the time. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. You have got to stop gossiping. Dr. Covey calls it being loyal to the absent. 
In fact, what he says is when you defend those who are absent, you retain the trust of those present. Oh, wow. I, that is, that, it is profound. Is, I'm going to repeat is it. So please do. When you defend those who are absent, you retain the trust of those who are present. Because when you're trash talking Tina in front of Tom, Tom's thinking, huh, that's funny. Well, how's he going to talk about me next, right? There's a person in our company who's a very respected executive. And this person trash talks everybody. And when she's doing it in front of me, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder what you say about me because this is funny and it's kind of entertaining. And actually, you know what? It's kind of accurate about that person, but damn, I'm next. That's right. So as a leader, as a spouse, as a friend, as a human being, do not talk differently about people who are not standing right in front of you than you would if they were. I signed up for the account when I started Sedwell, but two years ago is when I really started posting content. And I think I just got really lucky. I think it's right around the time they started allowing people to put video and upload, you know, your own video. And I just figured that people might want to hear my story. And so I put out my first video on LinkedIn. I, I, I couldn't afford a haircut at the time. So I had a, a big afro and a, a big beard and, and I was sitting on, on my couch and I just kind of told people a little bit about who I was and, you know, Candidly, I think that post is still up, and when I can find it, I think it still to this day has like three or four likes on it. And at the time, I had a couple, couple hundred followers, if that. And I just didn't get discouraged. I just, I think I got th- three likes on it at the time or something. I was really stoked on that. I'm like, three people liked this video on a business platform. Um, so I just started doing more and more videos. And next thing you know, you know, I'm, I, I grew to, you know. 1,000 and then 5,000 followers. And I, I hung out at that level for a while. I really didn't have the, the growth mindset on LinkedIn. I was just putting myself out there. And next thing I knew, people knew who I was and they liked me. And that's why I encourage everyone to do videos on LinkedIn. It gives people a chance to hear your voice, look in your eyes and get a sense for who you are. I'll tell you about a breakthrough moment that I had after I left Toyota after 17 years. I The day I left, it was a Friday. I flew out to the West Coast that that Sunday, prepared to start my new job at Tesla on Monday. So there, there was no break in between. Oh, man. After a, a brief orientation at Tesla, I, I ran upstairs to join the manufacturing team. And, it, and it's hard to imagine now, but there were, there were just five of us on that team. And we didn't even have a factory yet. So you can imagine how excited and anxious I, I was to start. Well, at, at Toyota, we always had an operation plan to work from. The operation plan included three years worth of planning prior to any new model launch with project plans that hung in the pilot war room from the ceiling to the floor throughout the entire room. It it looked like wallpaper. (laughs) So having just left Toyota a few days earlier, I expected the same, right? I showed up at Tesla and I I asked the team, can you share the operation plan? I want to start putting my name next to some of the tasks. Okay. They looked at me and they laughed. And when they were finished laughing, they, they handed me a blank piece of paper. And this just excited me even more. And, and I didn't realize it at the time, but this was a breakthrough moment. Being able to apply lessons learned over my entire career to create something from scratch. So, so how was this a breakthrough moment? Well, it gave me confidence uh, to create new procedures, launch new initiatives. And I've made it a practice to think about this blank piece of paper whenever I'm inheriting a new team, a new process, or building a new team or a new process. It's really something anybody can do. If you could rewrite the processes and procedures at your job 
to make things easier and more productive for everyone or restructure the organization in a way that you could better leverage each other's skill sets and work together more cohesively, what, what would that look like? And what's stopping you from, from grabbing that blank piece of paper? About how life is not fair. That is a point my parents beat into me from a kid is life's not fair, get used to it, deal with it. When I got into these situations, even when I felt like when you feel like things are unfair, it, it's a hurt inside you. It's a pain where you just want someone to help you. You just want something to go right. And your heart bleeds for that. But at the same time, I had this very strong voice in my head and in my soul being like, tough shit that it's not going to happen. You know it's not. No one's helping you. So like, are you going to figure it out or are you going to live here forever? I've never given us a, a second thought to living here. I've thought about killing myself over living in a space of despair, right? So it's just never been an option for me. I know I had a lot of naysayers of people say, no, don't quit your job. But then those people are the ones who are afraid to ever leave their mm. job. So they're just talking to you from their place of fear. So you always have to remember when people give you advice, they're always talking from their own experience. So you kind of have to like, end of the day, you know, you hear what everyone say, but end of the day, you have to see what feels right to you, what speaks to you the most, what is your truth. So that all boils down to self-awareness again and spirituality, your self-awareness. So, of course, we all need to hear what other people have to say because sometimes you might not have thought about what they say, right? Then you're like, hmm, okay, then you compile all that and say, okay, what makes the most sense to me? Then, then you still make your own decisions in the end based on what makes you feel good. Two of my early managers and, and sales leaders are people that I really look up to because they were so impactful on coaching and helping and not just telling us what to do. You know, if we brought a problem to the table, they wouldn't say, say this or do this. They would say, well, what do you think? What do you want to do? Mm. What feels right to mm. you? And that has been such an impact on, on my sales leadership career is that's what I try to do. You know, I'm never going to tell someone on my team what to do. I will give them recommendations and I will ask them what they think. And then together, the two of us will iterate on a solution as opposed to me just saying, do this. Being involved with startups and having done similar things for a while, I have realized more so in the last three or four years that in the age of internet, you can still get user acquisition. There is one thing that is even harder than user acquisition, and that is user engagement. You cannot fake user engagement. You know, you can hire influencers, you can build a portrait as a brand, you can spend some money, throw some money at it, and, and you can get people to come and log in once, you can give prices, you can bribe mm. user acquisition, but user engagement, you cannot. The reason people keep opening social media is because that is real engagement. No one is paying them to do that, but it's just that it has it has transcended to their psyche in, in some way or another that they do that. It's just that I, I've seen that with so many startups, they buy user acquisition initially, they do marketing, they do ads, they do Facebook ads, but they don't have engagement. People don't stick around and then they leave. And that's what real product market fit is about, this engagement. 
We know that fatigue can play a significant role in your attention span. Fatigue can play a very, very significant role in how you interpret body language and emotion. So for instance, let's say you're fatigued, you know, that partial smile looks more like a flat frown. That flat frown looks more like a sad face and you're more apt to perceive anger or lash out and and be a little bit more emotional with that. I mean, simple, simple things like you just, you got to get sleep, right? I mean, we know what sleep does for us. It lets you recharge the batteries, lets your gut heal up. It lets your brain take out the trash, lets you consolidate memories. I mean, you will always be benefited by just having more sleep because you will be more resilient and more resistant to having distractions. You'll be able to say no. What I realized is my entire business hinged on me. I mean, literally, if I was hit by a bus, my business was dead Mm. because there was nothing in my business that could function without me. The sales, the operations, the accounting, the everything fell on my shoulders. And so one of the first things I had to do was start looking at everything I was doing in the business and ask, and this is a funny question, I literally asked myself. I took a sheet of paper, I wrote down every task I did in the business. Next to that task, I asked one question, would Steve Jobs do that task? (laughs) And I know it's a stupid, funny question, but in doing that, I realized I was doing so much bullshit in my company that I had no business being doing. One, it either wasn't a strength of mine or I had no fucking desire to do it or, or it wasn't something that I could do quick enough to be of value to the company. I learned from watching an interview with Craig Ferguson, the comedian, and he said, before you say anything, you got to ask yourself three questions. I can't do his, I wish I could do his accent. Can't do his accent. Yeah, that's um, right. We'll imagine. You got <laughs> you to ask yourself, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? And does this need to be said by me now? And this was genius to me because this was emotional intelligence and act exactly head blown. Believe yeah. me, that's how I felt because I was trying to figure out ways to apply the pause. And the pause is that you take a minute before answering mm. that email that's got you all riled up or that you take a drink of water or walk around the block before you get in that confrontation that you feel you know is rising up inside of you. And these three questions made it perfect structure. Billy, I ask myself these three questions every single day, multiple times a day. And so this was, and that was a method that I could teach people and say, look, just learn these three questions. Once you got them down, you ask them to yourself and you ask them to yourself in meetings. You ask them to yourself when you're at home with your wife or your husband, you know, whoever. You ask yourself with with your children when you're trying to teach your children something. I would say something and, and just be a human. Right, because I, I think in in sales, when for one you can be human, but for two you can be you as the human, like your your self. Right, you sure. hear it all the time in twenty twenty about being authentic. It's it's about being you, right? Because um, it's very hard to be somebody else. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us have tried it. It's, it doesn't look comfortable, right? So if the more that you can dig into who you are and, and really think outside the box on how you can relate, you know, I, I know we had this conversation, you know, looking at flags, like, you know, things that they may have had near their car or a type of vehicle, like you use anything to relate to them, to, mm-hmm. to build that instant rapport and break that ice with people. Because when you can do that, when that wall is down, it's, it's like your buddies, right? It's like they are comfortable having a conversation with you. That's what happens in our culture today, right? You see somebody who's of a different skin color. 
And maybe by virtue of just the level of privilege that you've had, which is great, you know, growing up in the circumstances that you've grown up in, you weren't around people of color. And so you see them as different. Maybe the only understanding that you have about that culture of people is unfortunately what the media hates. And so now you're associating what the media is putting forth as to who these people represent to be what this individual represents, which is an unfair characterization of who that individual might be. It doesn't have to be purely black and white. It could be white and Mexican. It could be black and Asian. It doesn't matter. But the fact that we're different shouldn't be a source of division. We've been created as human beings to be infinitely curious. And so those differences should really be a bridge to try to build relationships. It should be a, a law of attraction. It's like, man, I need to find out more about this individual. They are different than I am. Like, why are you different, right? And so if we could go back to those, what I would call natural born instincts as to just feeding into that curiosity, I think we would build bridges that would do incredible work in helping heal our country today. If you are not consistent in anything in life, If you are not consistent in your relationship, if you are not consistent and be present for your kids, what is going to happen when they become teenagers? If you are not consistent as a father, you know, educating and be present for your family, what is going to happen? It's exactly the same thing. Everything that you have to do, you have to be consistent. Consistent in learning, consistent in loving, consistent in nurturing, consistent in, in having a good diet, consistent in make exercise, consistent to everything requires consistency. And social media is not the difference. If you want to have a strong presence, you have to be consistent. And you have to be consistent in your brand message, in your content strategy, you know, who is your target audience? Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.